motherfuckers let me know! No, everyone would hate me. Why the fuckers we're ready emotionally, not physically. Greetings and welcome to Murder Pixels Podcast episode for Hotline Miami and Hotline Miami 2 Wrong Number. I am your host, Brian Pachuki, and with me I have Nate Stevens. My name's Nate Stevens, and I didn't finish this game. Surprise, surprise! To my left is... That's me, Will Atkinson. As our listeners may know, our podcasts always begin with a question, and I thought Hotline Miami is a very... Trippy. Free-spirited game. I like Mm. free-spirited. There may be some substances that uh, various characters partake in, and I'm kind of interested in what we all think are most hardcore substance we would use given given the choice if we had to if we were free to use whatever we want in whatever situation and i'm gonna go first and i will say a little h i, I think heroin would be an interesting <laughs> just want to chill out huh yeah i, I think heroin. interesting would be, would is this a- how much of this has to do with the recent caustic soda you know, you want to have a giant that, abscess? Yes, I, I think. Nice. I, I think actually listening to to the sort and, and just you see a lot of movies and H seems to be the kind of just for clarification. What is H short for? Heroin. Got it. You mean like a female protagonist? Oh yes. Got it. Heroin. <laughs> oh, you're killing me. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It just seems like Coke is just kind of crazy. That's the that's the go to. Everybody does that. That's the go to drug. And like crystal meth, uh, I don't know. It's a good band. The crystal method. That is correct. Thank you, Will. I think heroin the, the is the theme song I think heroin for Blur. Is just the right level of crazy. All right, I'll take it. How about you, Will? Yeah. Cocaine's a hell of a drug. Really? <laughs> Why is that a hell of a drug? Drop the mic. Can you give us a little bit more? <laughs> My please? turn. It'll probably be between that and LSD. LSD is the one that I think is really interesting, and that it would make me trip balls. But the idea that I might have flashbacks twenty years later is like whoa no i don't want well, to touch that i'm assuming I that, that. i'm assuming in this scenario you're you're not look you're not expecting to be around or or, or in any kind of functional oh, this is capacity a, this is a years. deathbed drug question well hmm. i mean i would think if you're if, if this is a um you're getting you're using some drug and addicted to the drug i don't think you're going to be through whatever means suffering any consequences whatsoever yeah in 20 years all right sure or ecstasy. That one's a pretty cool one, too. I'm afraid I would just strip and run naked through the oh, streets. Oh, come on. Ecstasy, really? <laughs> Brian's like, I did that yesterday. <laughs> How do you think I show up at work every morning? <laughs> There's a reason I smile in the morning and it ain't caffeine. <laughs> what are you going to say? Shrooms next? <laughs> <laughs> what? I'm automat- doing shrooms. It's an automatic condescension coming from an unexpected person. <laughs> He's like, let's open hardcore. up. Let's say the fucking hardest shit you want to. Yeah, come on, hardcore. But then I'm a drug your or judge your ass. Yeah. <laughs> LSD was a good one, at least. We're, we're going with LSD for you. I'm saying right. firmly LSD. Come on, Nate, give me one. LSD for sure, because I love music, that? and I'd love to listen to Dark Side of the Moon while just out of my mind just balls deep into the sky with diamonds we're cutting that out because that's completely offensive and wrong why is that offensive because that's the beatles yeah lsd lucy in the sky with diamonds lucy sky diamonds lsd did you just this now blew get your the, mind? <laughs> just now get the reference? He's still thinking. He's about still it. No, I got it. I just I had I had heard that before too, and I'd forgotten it. I'm just I thought that you thought Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds was a Pink Floyd song, and I was really <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, I did know that it stood for LSD. 
I just want to be Swedish, so I figured I'd take LSD and okay, the Swedish guy that discovered it had like a spiritual experience. Cool. So, uh, so no peyote for you then. I, I peyote peyote would be very cool. In fact, that's probably the more reasonable answer for me. But I figured I wouldn't be like a going on a spirit quest, a weird hippie on this podcast. But now that my is peyote out, hard enough? I mean. If I come back being like I'm all connected to the land, man, I ate some sand and I ate 17 cactuses. Did you say if I eat some sand? <laughs> yeah, that's what being connected to the land is. I don't think anybody on Peyote's ever eaten sand. <laughs> what kind of Peyote is that? I, I, I joined think, a wolf pack. I don't know. I don't think anybody would notice if you had taken anything. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> I come back being like, I'm all connected with you guys, man. Shut up, Nate. Record the podcast. Why are you being so pretentious? Come on, record the podcast. It's not pretension, man. It's connectedness. That's the most pretentious thing of all. All right. So let's get to the game here. Ha- what game do we play? We're what playing the- Hotline Miami. Hotline Miami Hotline 2. Hotline Miami. Hotline. So, Hotline Miami is a very, very indie game, which I want to start out by saying thank you. Whatever the fuck you believe in or don't believe in or, you know, thank the LSD gods or whatever the fuck you're praying to. This is the type of game, indie game, we hear a lot about there's no AAA games out there. There's no really games that sell system. Indie games are really what's driving our generation of games currently. And this is top of the line. This is very, what would you say, 16-bit-isk? Yeah. Know? Somewhere around there. It's not a game that's based off of... Exactly a sprite kind of Yes. Very, you know, sprite. I don't know. I just... It's a game that, when I looked at it, I'm like... I didn't really feel that it was lacking anything. I I felt it was a game that could be in this generation. It definitely can stand the test of time. Yeah. It's very artistically Um, driven. It'll stand the test of time well. And I think that's the best part of this this game, I think, Will, you said this, so you kind of were talking about me, with me about this before, that we can go over the story, we'll, we'll, we'll give a brief story, but most of the people who are listening to this podcast have played the game, and the story is, that what I'm getting at is, it's almost second nature to, to like a lot of what you do in this game and what this game is about. It's yeah. not so much that you need, you can just have fun with this game without really completely being up to date exactly what minute detail the story has whereas some games it's like okay if i don't know what's going on i'm kind of lost this game just seems to me like yeah the story does definitely take a background role in this it's still there and i think that the gameplay sort of speaks to the story in many ways but it's not really in your face with it well i really kind of oh i don't know quite understand i don't quite know how i should feel because i feel really uncomfortable by what i do in this game that's true I am but that's the thing, slaughtering right? people it, it's, constantly. It's the other things of this game, that the the gameplay, the 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 almost emotion, the the driving force of the game is is so much more powerful in how you interact, and the story is almost well, takes a back. You know, I mean, it's there. It, it, if you want to know what what exactly is going on, it's there for you. But it's not. You can just things are going on, but still have just a great time without really. Let's, so how do you? How do you contextualize the gameplay within the story? That's the part that kind of, I don't know, feels a little bit uncomfortable to me. Let's start off the, by saying this game and its gameplay sets up this crazy dy- dystopic world where everything is kind of like colorful and shiny and crazy and violent and... Shiny, I wouldn't say... Vibrant, maybe. Vibrant, sure. 
Well, yeah, I mean, I guess we should go a little bit into the, you know, so the story, so it, it's it's supposed to take place in the late 80s, like, it starts, I think, 1989, is that correct, I believe? Yeah. Yeah. And you're in, my, you know, Miami, and it's a, a fictitious version of events, but the, but they're loosely based off of historical events, a lot of the characters. I missed what, that. Back what, up. Uh, what? what? Just the fact that Russia was a country? At that time? No, no. Um, well, there's some characters. I, I'm not sure about the first one. I definitely know the second one. So the, there's the that there's the detective in the second game, and the detective goes through solving the case he's working on, which is the various copy kind of copycat vigilante killers that are going on. And he does the kind of same thing where he kills all, but he kills what are quote unquote the bad guys, but he kills them in in the same way that you mu- you very much kill everybody in the whole throughout both the games but he's actually based off of a there was a detective in miami around that time who was very much that way he was um kind of superco-esque where he was like the bad cop but he was quote-unquote you say superco Superco. yeah you ever seen that movie with i don't want to get spoiled and again we won't um just uh i forgot to mention we we will not be spoiling any other games or any movies or whatever tv show so this game is heavy spoiler but nothing else is going to be spoiled. But yeah, Superco is a game game movie with uh, Al Pacino where he's a New York cop and he he basically cleans house of the bad cop. But the detective is sort of a bad cop in a way because he's a cop and trying to do to get the results, but he's doing it in a not lawful way. And there was a Miami detective that was loose where it was loosely based on. So that's what I'm saying. There are char- like there are kind of historical things. I mean, I wouldn't say it's fully historical, but there are differently parts that are based off of different events. So yeah, we'll go through the first game story first. So in the first game, you are a character who doesn't have a name. I've heard mostly it's referred to. Most people just kind of refer to him as Jacket because he wears this jacket, starter jacket. Yeah, yeah. and. He gets every episode, every chapter, as they call it in the game, he gets a call, and the call basically says some tried some to be cryptic thing, you yeah. know, um, thing like, oh, you know, this is Jim's fix-it shop, and we've fixed your car. Come down to this address and come get it. And what it's really saying is basically go there and kill all the people that are there, which... The has- key is that it's some random thing but there's always an address in the middle of yes. the, the message um and as nate mentioned previously it's russian mobsters you basically go through the game and then you you start to after levels and levels and levels you start to kind of figure out things as to why you're getting these calls and you kind of start to question why you're getting these calls and as you start to get you know slightly piece things together the people that are sending you these calls try to put out a hit on you and they send this guy to kill you, and then you know he kills your girlfriend instead, and then you end up putting yourself in the, but you end up seeing that she's dead, so you end up shooting yourself. You put yourself in the hospital. You you get out, and then you start to get revenge on these people. That's what that is. <laughs> after you you know you start to get revenge, you kill that guy. Then you go after the people that are doing these calls, and you eventually kill them, and you kill this guy who's like the head of the Russian mafia in Miami. Then. We get to the interesting part of the game, which is that that's one ending, but there are actually three endings in the game. And after you beat that, which I think is chapter 15, you actually play another guy who's this biker guy. He's another guy because multiple people are getting these calls to do these killings. You go through his missions, and one of the interesting parts is that halfway or 
maybe three quarters of the way through the Jacket's missions, you meet the biker guy and you have to kill him. So in the biker guy's uh, missions, you do the reverse. So you meet him in, in this phone company building and you kill him. So it's kind of interesting in that they they play off the both characters' aspects. Can I jump into that? <clears throat> sure, yeah. That one mission real quick. I think it's really interesting and in that while you're playing as Jacket, that mission is really, really fucking hard. You have to maneuver your way around this one room. Grab the golf club first. Gra- grab the golf club. You have to, like, That's your dodge. Only weapon, yeah. You have to dodge him several times. You're... The whole mission is about evading, and finally you get... I want to say he throws the knife against the wall, and you use that against him or something like no, that? No, he, he does throw a knife, but at, he throws it against the wall, and then he goes to, like, pull it out. But as he goes... As he's pull pulling it, it out, you, you hit him. You have a chance to hit him, yes. Yeah. It's a really... You hit him a couple times, so you have to do it a couple times. Like it's a really, really tough, difficult mission to do. And then later in the game, when you're playing it from his... from. Uh, what was the other guy's name? I just call him the biker. I, I I think he has a name. When you're playing the same exact mission from the biker's point of view, Jacket just runs up to you and you you swipe at him and kill him and that's it. That's the whole mission. You're like, uh... Whoa. Because it was super intense and climactic when you were coming at it from Jacket's point of view. Yeah. And then when you yeah, swap and see it from the biker's point of view, it's like... Yeah. He is some throwaway no nobody character. Cool little yeah. perspective switch. So after that, you basically you go to find out who what really happened. And there's two endings. You can uh, along the way you can collect these little one pixel tiles in every mission in Jacket's missions, and each one has a letter on it, and it spells out a phrase. Which the phrase is "I was born in the USA," which is Bruce Springsteen, which was born around the. Eight- in the USA. And if you get that, you get the third ending. If you don't have that at the end of the biker and motorcyclists uh, episodes, you get the second ending. And so you meet these guys, and if you get the second ending, you think it's just guys from the phone company, and that they're just kind of randomly doing this for whatever reason, no, you know, just because. If you get these the puzzle, you find out that these are guys that are working for this corporation called Fifty Blessings, and they're trying to eradicate the Russian influence in the U.S. and save the U.S. So they're setting up these experiments where they're calling people and threatening them with no real actual to threat. Back it up. Yeah. yeah. And they're just trying to see if people will actually go ahead and people like Jacket and such and the biker guy will actually do it and kill all these guys for them. So that's the, the brief story. I don't want to, again, go too detailed on the story because the story to me is not... Not the highlight of this game. Yeah, I mean, it's a it's a okay story and it's interesting when you realize and you you like cool what exactly about. happens because yeah. you just but i mean i i played the game and i was like when i read the actual like a recap i was like oh so that's exactly kind of what happened at that point and it didn't really make a difference to me or or affect my enjoyment or non-enjoyment of the game at the time so. i'm slightly con- conflicted about your characterization of the story in this game in that i think that the story was really interesting in what they were doing with exploring different ways of storytelling. But on the other hand, I would completely agree to you that the story has very little to do with the actual gameplay of what I was experiencing in the game. I sort of disagree with that. I think that part of the reason the violence in this game was interesting as opposed to just plain disgusting was that it was used to convey this idea of a world where not everything is 
the amount of violence and killing in this game like makes you feel like there's something more going on. Well, that's a good point. I want to get to that because there's a yeah, so like let's a, jump into that because that's a really good thing to bring up. This game is really violent. It's, it's all about fast paced. So you slaughter. So you 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 play an the game is an over the t- you're, man's laughter. You're over the top. So you you have a top down view of your character and it's and your character goes and you control your character as you go through these different rooms and again it's all top down so you if you were looking at a building and you took off the roof and you were looking straight down right and you move your character and it's quick kill and you can die so fast so it's very violent whether you're killing guys or they're killing That's you and true. you can kill them with and you're weak multitude it's a one hit kill unless you wear one mask in which case same it's thing a with the enemies too so it's yeah. it's you can use guns you can use melee weapons you can use your fists you can you can if you knock them down say with a door like if a character walk or an enemy walks by a door and you open the door um you can knock you them down you on can, their head you can yeah you can either smash their head on the ground with a shake or you can take like a say if you have a golf club you take a golf club and smash it over their head it's a very violent game which is an interesting thing i want to hear will is kind of a more seems to be play you know okay with these games nate you seem to be kind of always I'm pretty this anti-violence. Yeah, so I kind of yeah. want to hear the the compare and contrast between you guys and what you thought of the violence in the game, because it's that's a big part of this game, and and that and that will also lead into our second game with the whole, you know, the violence and and the second game being banned in Australia. Go ahead, Will. Start uh, us off. It's really funny because I'm sitting here thinking the more that you describe the specific ways that the violence happens in this game it makes me more and more uncomfortable which is i think is really weird because normally i'm okay with violence in general in games there's just something about the specific nature of the way the violence that happens well let me ask you a question was there ever a point in the game where you said whoa and you you stepped back and said whoa this is like (laughs) a little over the top man there's so many points yeah I really like that in this game, when the main character Jacket first experiences violence, he throws he bar- up. He barfs, yeah. Yeah, but that's it was, an interesting to that's me. Cool. That's at the. I like that. End of the of the chapter. So he's already just killed probably, a bunch of your, like, yeah, But that's probably how it would go, right? You're on an adrenaline he's, high, yeah. you're murdering all these people, and after as soon as like, he comes down whoa, and realizes man. what he did, Blah. yeah. But then he gets more and more comfortable with it as he goes. Right, which is I, part of the narrative of this game. This game is fun to me as long as I don't think about the specifics of what I'm doing. It don't you is feel that way about any violent game though. It's all kind of gross. Is is the game too violent? No. Oh, that's interesting. I, 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 <laughs> hold on, Nate. I want to get to you because that's an interesting. Well, is it, uh, is, is the game too violent? Not violent enough, or or just uh, like just an average violent for a te- typical. M-rated game. This game is just violent enough to make me feel really uncomfortable about it. I agree with that. Let me ask you a question. If, if they removed some of the... Just, like, just the maybe route. if they say that they removed... Uh, there's actually a mask, which I, I don't think... I'm assuming but neither of you guys got the crocodile, where it actually makes even more blood and it makes it even more gory. Like It's not all that much more gory. I, I, it's interesting that it says, you know... More gore, but it's it's really not. Yeah, I mean, but I mean, it's interesting to me. If they had toned down the violence, would would you? This wouldn't have worked. Would this have worked for you? Yeah. No, which leads me into my point. I think that the hyper violence in this game. I mean, when you smash people's heads into the ground, there's like blood splatters. Like this is maybe a 16-bit game that I played on like a whatever size screen the Vita has, like a four-inch screen. 
but the violence is still there's a lot of it it's very it's very vivid in a way and i think that that excessive violence contributes to an intense sense of discomfort which really works with the narrative i think that's what the narrative's aiming for and i think that's why the violence in this game kind of works for me is it kind of makes you feel sick and it kind of like it's easy to get sucked in and like rush to perfect the level and then kind of look back and be like and i feel like it's that kind of like nastiness that kind of hangs over the whole thing that really contributes to this atmosphere of it kind of being surreal and weird and the soundtrack of like jamming music and you kind of get into yeah, it. Yeah, we're going to get to that. The music it's just, is... It's all just kind of a weird atmospheric thing that you kind of get into and it kind of makes you feel sick if you think about it. I think the that's awesome. The thing that this game really does for that, after you've gone through and felt the high and figured out the perfect way to kill all these people, yeah. they make you walk back yeah. through all of the dead bodies and all of the blood yeah. all over the ground wow. and you just walk Absolutely. back through it to take a you're just taking just a sojourn sit there yeah. Hold on, and just, look at what you're you just done. blew my mind you know what i never once thought about it like that like it's I, true every time yeah so 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 you so a chapter may maybe one floor and it can be multiple floors or multiple areas so you, you clear one area and you go to like another room or an elevator and it takes you to a different area and you you kill you have to kill every so the whole basically the way the, to beat each chapter is to kill every guy in the whole in every area of the chapter and, and then, you get like a briefcase at the end of the level right uh the first one yes uh, one area only yeah. in the pray only in the, the oh so uh, every other level is just kill everyone and then get out yes okay pretty much um with very few exceptions yeah and, and like will said after you're done you go back to your car to to leave i never really thought about it that way that it's taking you back through everything you've done. Yeah, I've just, blood I've just all been over like, the place oh, okay, and the I bodies. beat the level, so I'm just kind of like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to the car and going to my next thing. I never really thought about that. They could I easily think there's some deeper game design that's going on here. Yeah, yeah, I never thought about that. that. They could easily be like, oh, you killed the last guy. Next chapter, but no, they make you walk through and see, see the blood done, yeah. all over the floor, and, and I, yeah, I think that's part of it. Like, there's a very intentional sort of. It's this hyper violence and then basking in the hyper violence, like reflecting on what you've done. And I think yeah, that, it's not that it's kind of like spec ops, almost right? Like, like, like you're, you're, you're not, yeah, it's not, not having, glorious. But maybe it's, it's more like uh, just seeing Being what smothered you've by done. It. Right. And it's there's this like big ops, audio right? cue where you're playing the mission is like, dun, 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 and you finish the end and it's like, yeah. Yes. It and then says, you yeah, have, that, have this slow, serene music yeah, as your. Yeah, we definitely have to get to the music. I want to hold that because that's a topic in, unto itself. But yeah, the music in this game is. I think it's like it reminds me of Spec Ops, where Spec Ops does a good job of being violent as a shooter, but also kind of making you feel sick about what you've done. So that's interesting. To and me that makes me much more willing to accept I, it, violence. It, just the it way feels I, like I, it's I played games, or I just I just take games as a. Brian just wants to shoot the bloody point bags, man. Well, no, I mean, I, I don't know. I just never had that. And that's why it's interesting to me when you brought up the fact of, about that you walk back through this and you're you're really seeing what you've done and what you... But I never really thought of it like that because I've always just like, oh, I'm beating the game. I'm going to the next level. I've kind of just thinking about it sequentially, you know? And that's an interesting a thought. So, yeah, the violence in this game... It's really pretty extreme. gratuitous. And, and what I think makes it even more so is that... You're not, it's, everything is so quick. Yeah. So normally in, in a game, uh, whether it's a first person shooter, third person shooter, whatever, or, um, RPG, you 
kill a guy or you you kill a monster or whatever, and then you have this kind of the fail state is just in, seconds. interlude where you have this time where you're not you're doing something else. You're moving to a new area or you're collecting something or you're doing something else. This game is I kill Nate and I immediately kill Will right after. He's in the same room. I, I don't it's not like I kill Nate and okay, I walk to another area and then I meet Will and then I fight him. I kill Will uh, kill Nate, kill Will, kill you the could, ten other guys in the area all in a in a succession. Let you me, could let practically me be killing both of us in the same swing, and you that could. happens yes. totally. Oh, that happened. At multi, the, let me, there, there are trophies to kill three guys with one brick. Let me so let me the, put this in a can, perspective. I grew up playing Unreal Tournament, like that was my game of choice that kind of shaped me as a PC gamer. It's that Twitch like boom 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 next area. Like you're jumping around, you're like flipping. and that was so slow compared to Quake. But go on. Oh, zing. This game fits right in that wheelhouse of, I played it. Oh, this game is a lot more. I mean, again. I played it all melee. Unreal And it was very much like a, boom, 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 oh, I failed. Boom, 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 I failed. Boom, 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 oh, I failed. Boom, 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 oh, I failed. Boom, boom, boom. Just again and again really fast. Because there's no load times. It's just immediate. That's the thing about this game is there's, exactly, is that not only do I kill everybody quick and in this really quick fashion, but they can kill me just as fast. Exactly. It doesn't matter how far you've gotten, like how many guys you've killed. If one guy kills you, you there restart. There were so many times where I got the floor. last guy on a floor, like last oh, of 20, yeah. 25. That was boom, the, back to me. Well, we're talking about that, where it's like you've killed all these guys. You know, there's say there's twelve guys on a floor. You've killed eleven. You think you've killed everybody when you once you've killed that eleventh guy from across the room. And then there's some other guy somewhere, and you, and that's the hiding thing hiding under a bush. Yeah, <laughs> hiding somewhere. You didn't realize, and then the computer is so adept at killing you. So that's true. They are ridiculously accurate, especially if they have a gun. That if they see you, if any, if there's any line of you getting shot, the computer automatically kills you. You could just be walking, thinking, "Oh, I, I've beaten this mission," and then all, and you don't see the stage clear message. So, and then you're just like, "Okay, where's this guy?" And then all of a sudden, boom, a guy off screen you can't see because you only have a, a limited field of view. Well, you know, you can see in a certain small area, kills you, and then you got to restart that whole floor over again. <laughs> Absolutely, which makes it interesting because it's so fast. But this also, is a fast game, yeah. Um, it never feels like there's a lot of games nowadays where the load times just make it feel so chopped up, where you never feel this really continuous pace. But this game, everything is, you know, again, because it's a, a spritey 16-bit, there's not a lot of graphics to load up. It's a top-down view, so it's not really a, a lot to, you know, it's not like a big first-person shooter where you have a lot going on in the environment. So it, it, you can load, like you die, and it says, Hit X to to restart. You hit X, you're, you're immediately there. restarting. There's no load time, which is great. Yeah, it's fantastic. This game would be twenty percent worse without that. Oh, no but load this time. was like um, Bloodborne, like forty five second load times after every death. This game would not be playable. It's funny. I've been playing. I just started, and I'm kicking myself for doing it. But I've just started playing Destiny, and yeah, so the load time to get back to the tower, which is in theory the central area of the game is like a minute and a half i i'm like i know i'm going to the tower i'll go and press the buttons to go to the tower and then i'll go and do a couple pull-ups go pour myself some cereal <laughs> like yeah. it is seriously and this game has none of that it's instantaneous oh my god that's just I mean, the one part where there are low the times best. are 
when you're starting new chapters, but then even then, you hear the music and you see the so graphic. The, it just, it's so stylish. Yeah. This game is stylish as hell, which is awesome. I love that. And the music really helps. But like even the like like that scene after where you're like driving by and the palm trees are sliding by and the towers are sli- like it's just it's just beautiful. So it's so cool. This right. game soundtrack Give is it to us, Nate. killer. It is awesome. It is all like eighties jams. I think they're all composed very recently, so they're all Oh yeah, they're all new disco original. and sort of yeah, yeah like retro the original makes of this modern composition methods, retro sounds. Very yeah, very you know like super eighties. Super yeah, very do, so do, beautiful. Beep, Definitely like beep, beep you know, very like kind of like those kind they're of They're not like, like chip tune. No, it's not chip tune, but it's it's, it's very it's, much like eighties pop synth synth wave kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah. yeah. And I definitely when the first game came out, I went and looked up, was telling Brian that I bought the soundtrack on Steam and downloaded that. That was the first time I've ever done something like that on Steam. But even after I did that, I went and found the the lists on YouTube, on YouTube and were listening to the songs that way. And really got deep into a couple of the songs from the first game. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what it was, but there's... They're just so they're very, catchy. They're very driving electronic melodies that they're very good. It and they, just they works lull you the into levels, this yeah. hypnotic sense of like I don't know. It's just excellent atmospheric. I, I think the best the best what? line I've heard about the music actually came from Will when he told me when I you know, a lot of games I, I just like to turn the the music off and listen to whatever my own music <sighs> in the background. And he said for this I game a lot. He I said know. for this game Blech. I had to go back and keep this the actual music on because it was that good and i couldn't listen to other stuff which i normally do and i thought that was like yeah that kind of sums up how the music just works for this game there was something about grabbing the vita putting both headphones on which is something i rarely do normally i'll be listening to something in like just my right ear or just my left ear and be doing something else with the rest of my attention but there was something about playing this game grabbing the vita putting both ear headphones in ignoring the rest of the world and just taking myself into this game yeah. and experiencing it a large part because of the music, the way that it brought me into this game. Absolutely. That was really awesome. It all just creates this weird atmosphere of like the surreal, retro, crazy place where you're just killing it. I don't know. It's really, really a strange, powerful, atmospheric kind of creation. Can you talk about the music any more specifically? Not particularly. I mean, it's a, it sounds a lot like Power Glove, like the soundtrack from uh, Far Cry 3 Blood Dragon. Uh, very much that. This is a game where I, I would buy this. And I recommend to all of our listeners, you know, obviously most of you, having this being a spoiler podcast, have played the game. But music is so good. It's it, There's no reason not to go. At least at least go to YouTube. The question is, how much of our so. preference for this music comes from the fact that we were all born in the 80s? Nothing. Honestly, I, I could have been born in the I like whatever 80s music. I was born in the early eighties, but it wasn't. It wasn't due to that. I mean, it just, you sure? Yeah. No, the music just. Was, I mean, it's very good, but I think we have a predilection for those type of sounds, don't we? Keep, no, because I'm not. I'm not really a big like. I'm not really big into that type. Of, but hmm. it. I mean, I'm. I'm not like against it, but it's not like I'm like. Oh I my am, god! I'm very that's big into so it. my thing. Sure. That it was just, like it works, and and I think I think like Will said kind of earlier, a lot of the missions, you, the the you know like the beat and the and the pace of, very of the driving. song drive the level. So there's there's points where you're you're going through 
parts of, of the mission and the music just flows perfectly with what with how your it's your like mission's going. It's and like then 130 sudden, beats per minute. Of all of a sudden, like killer. you beat the you beat the board, and all of a sudden it goes, it goes you know, like the the record you know, scratch, like you, record yeah, scratch. The record scratch, mm -hmm. and then it stops, and then you have like not, you know, not, it it just works so perfectly. It's good. So the soundtrack for the game is by, as far as I understand, a variety of composers, but it sounds like a lot of it's by an artist called Moon, M-O-O-M dot O dot O Yeah, period, separated, who's like an electronic 19-year-old at the time of this game's release from Boston, who's doing a lot of, there's all sorts of sounds, like styles in the soundtrack. It's mostly like 1980s house music with like a strong bit of ambient in the menu and stuff like that. A lot of the songs are really like, they're all very synth heavy, of course, being like 1980s style music, but there's like obviously heavier music for the bosses and lighter music. A lot of it's like really echoey, full of reverb. It's it's all really cool. And if you look up one song, you'll kind of get a feel for If you're going to look two. up one song, I think you should look up Paris 2. Yeah, that Paris song. 2 is an awesome one by Moon. Yeah, I mean, it, it, they all just or hydrogen. Music hydrogen awesome plays well. the levels so well, and, and like, and some of the levels, like the bigger levels, have like more reverb, and it kind of just feels like a big empty area. Like it's just, it's really well done. And like the levels that are more high intensity have like one or two measure loops that are like really high intensity that like really just kind of set a driving pace that kind of push you forward. It's, with a lot of these tracks, it's very hard to just sit there and plot out what you're doing. You kind of just want to run out and dart into the open and kind of kill someone. Yep, which is a big part of it, exactly how this game is supposed to be played. Yeah, it's it's like a masterpiece of sound design. Yeah, it really How well is. the songs go well with the... So do, so I do, feel like... Oh, go ahead. I, I feel like you know my musical taste better than I do, probably. Why do I like the music in this game? I think a lot of it has to do with the gameplay you're doing alongside the music. I don't know if I could show you these kind of songs and have you like them on their own. Uh, if I think I, I think that works exactly how it, you know, like I think that's exactly the right phrase. Yeah, like this uh, is music I might listen to outside of the game with no connection to the game, but I'm not sure a lot of people would. Like I'm not saying that the songs aren't good. I, I think they can stand by themselves, but I think they were also constructed. For the game, and I think it was perfect the way that they were. So you think they were that, built? But Paris and I think Hydrogen were on Moon's the Moon EP, which was released separately from the game. Yeah, no, so I think I, these I, are licensed songs. Well, I think they were, I'm, but they were perfectly chosen by the game developer. I mean, I know they, you know, you're going to release your own stuff anyways, and if they create and they're going to release them on their own. But were Not they specifically already? Do you know that they were for sure were made before the game? Uh, I'm not sure of the time frame. No. Okay. But it it does seem to me like these are the kind of songs, and this is the kind of game that would license its music that's already been pre-created elsewhere. This is definitely this kind of music, new disco. There's there's a variety of ways to describe music like this. There's See, I don't various know, artists but it like, seems like it, Power Glove and Saint Pepsi or two that I'm most familiar with offhand that are making music that sounds like this. And if you're making a game of this style, like it's easy to just pull in from different people. So I, I I mean I'm again I I don't know either and the timeline whether these songs were created before the game during the game after the game, whatever but it seems to me like this just this screams to me of, of what works and which is why i i wonder if they did 
do this a lot within conjunction of development of the game because there's a lot of movies I can think of where the, where the scores work so well because the person who's doing it is not directly involved in, say, movies. They, they bring somebody outside of the industry to come in and right. they take their take on it and it's different than somebody who's specifically does that for a living like just scores movies and games it works well too like if you bring somebody in who's not a video game music musician it's just somebody who's a musician in general and i think that's work with them and and that's why i'm thinking maybe that this these things were done they were generated in conjunction with development i'm not Mm. i don't know but it just seems i think just because it just these are electronic songs that were just brought into a game it just seems like a lot of what it just it works just too perfect. So perfect. I, I know they did I mean, a good just, job selecting. Th- but that's. But I mean, there's plenty of games where you you hear them say selecting, and it never fits this. <laughs> this is like a glove fit, like the, the OJ glove. glove yeah, perhaps. the OJ glove fit. You know, like this was Whoa. way too you know uh, too perfect for it just to be like, oh well, I, I you know two main developer guys on this game, and it just seems like for them to have scoured the world to find things that that fit if you think about it they're making this game very much in an homage visually to that period i I don't think we should not assume that they're obsessed with that period in general i do but i just don't think they had enough time you know to get the game out in in i think a lot of the tracks are from moon specifically i mean if you find one artist you like that really fits your sound you don't have to go that far it's not that hard yeah but i mean not every i mean it just the songs that just fit the... How know. much of your skepticism comes from the fact that you don't really hear music like this very often? No, I mean, I've heard music like this, and I've heard other games used... Have you? Uh, what other games? Oh, I mean, there's there's a lot of games, like especially older games, like which is... They this don't is have kind music of, like this. And this well, is like... They, well, that's my point. They don't... Exactly. They don't have music that works to this detail. Right. Which is why I'm like, it just seems like they... I mean, again, I don't know, and, and I, I very well could be wrong if 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 anybody. I don't know. I just I I wouldn't deny that that is the case, but it just seems to me that it seems to me that they had to have just had some idea of the game at some and what they were creating for it because it just it beautifully. I could every time every song I was just I was picturing what I was doing while listening to that song, what board I was playing, what I was, and it just I don't know. It it, it was just like peanut butter and jelly. They just. It worked. It went together perfectly. <laughs> I don't got know why. Peanut butter in my chocolate. Yeah, I, yeah, or yeah, peanut butter and chocolate. Perfect. I don't know why these things would ever work together, but oh my god, it, it, it at the very once least, once you see it and, and you and you understand it, you're like, I could never see these things not being together. <laughs> at the very least, the serendipity by which these two things fit together is um, amazing. I was wrong about Seattle. It's scattle. One of the things that I really think about a lot when I think about the music for this game, particularly the first one, there was a gentleman by the name of Ryan Davis who used to work for Giant Bomb before passing away. And one of the last things that he was really playing and really into was Hotline Miami. And a lot of it was because of the way that he could get into the music and get into the kind of trancey state of listening to the music while he was playing this game. Sometimes, going back to this... I definitely think about some of the good times that I had listening to him, listening to the Giant Bomb podcast when he was still around. And so there's definitely a bit of transference for me, remembering those good times as I'm 
yeah. thinking about this first game. I mean, the music definitely makes you... It, it's, one of those, it's, it's music that when you hear it, you definitely... It brings... <laughs> it invokes memories, whether of, of the game or of things that, you you know, people are talking about it or people, you know, that you've talked to about it or things you were doing at the... T- you know, you think about it at the time. It, it's definitely very in, in memory-invoking. So, one, one other thing... For Hotline Miami 1, it seems to be really focused on 80s synth music. Yeah. And when we start getting to Hotline Miami 2, a lot more of that is focused around 70s music, I think. Is it more disco? Well, I don't know how to describe it. What? it what... Yeah, I'm, I mean, it's Hotline Miami 2 jumps a lot of time frames, varies. There's, there's a lot of people that, like Moon... Um, it does a lot of sound, a lot of music for Hotline Miami 2 as well. So, I feel like it lacked a lot of the cohesion that the first game did. Yeah, it's more all I over mean, the place I, narratively I I and character-wise, isn't it? I don't want to get into it now until we really start talking about Hotline Miami 2. But I think I have a better explanation for you as to why a lot of what we we want to say Hotline Miami 2 failed in is just of the way we're looking at it. But let's park that. I want to move to controls here because a big part of this game, besides the things like music and the violence and the, a bit the story, is how you control this fast-paced mayhem. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say action, it but is mayhem. Chaos. Is like, it, it, so you have a couple options. You can use melee weapons. You can use guns, and everything is basically one-shot kills. So you can, there are executions. Again, if you knock people down, you can execute, do executions. It takes a lot of time. Fast. And there are things where you can, there's a target button. Now, I think, Will, you said you like the target button. I I didn't use that at all. I started to because they told you, oh, you, you know, here's a way to target. But my big thing about the controls, my biggest kind of gripe about it is that you had this target thing. So say I'm trying to kill Nate and Nate's in front As of me. As you would. Yeah, that makes sense. And there's a wall to my right, and Will is on the other side of that wall. Will, Will is pops techni- out. Will is techni- Nate goes behind the wall. No, no, no. Will, Will, no, no. Will is still behind that wall. Nate is in front of my view. Will, being on the other side of the wall, is technically distance-wise, direct line distance, exclude, you know, is closer to me. Yeah. So if I hit the target button, at least I, I played it on PS3. I, I don't know about the Vita. I think you guys both played on Vita. I don't know if it's easier on the Vita. But in the PS3, PS4 version, so I would hit the R2 button to target. Because I want to target Nate and kill him. It targets Will. Oh. And I have no what if shot. What if you're pointing at me? Oh, sorry. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how you're facing, what, what you're doing. Oh, it's it will, just closest enemy? It targets the closest enemy. Sounds like you should have played direct- it on the Vita. Which maybe is the case, but that drove me nuts. I'm like, the target is useless. So I ended up just, you know, That's in order to get things fast. That sounds very frustrating. I would not yeah. use the target system. I would just go and I would, you can, there's a cross On the other hand. So I would just use the, the right analog stick to aim my target stick kind of in the direction I want to fight and then just keep using a melee. Sure, sure. Most, my the, most thing was a melee, but on the other hand, gripe to me. I don't know about. On the Vita, you actually have to tap on the screen of the enemy you want to target, which is A, advantageous because you can control who you target. But be disadvantageous because you actually have to reach your thumb over and tap the screen, whereas, whereas I was wishing for a target button. Yeah, I mean, I, I was kind of wondering about that too with the Vita. So it is how hard, like, how much of a pain is that exactly that point where you have to physically? Does that that's got to slow you down, right? To, to sit there and have to tap who you want to target. Beats so, me. I didn't do it once. How about you, Will? So I started the game 
on the PC, and in that you do a similar thing where you use the mouse to target people instead of your f- finger to, t- to target people. But I quickly swapped to the Vita, probably in the middle of the first game. The Vita works very well with the quick gameplay of the game. The value in targeting with the Vita, with the touchscreen on the Vita, is your precision at long lengths. It's also very useful for if you're going to target somebody and then quickly round a corner and then blaze into action in the game or into a room. That makes sense. So there's chapter, I think it's 10, where you play the first floor, you get to the second floor, and you start to kill a bunch of guys, and then maybe like half to three quarters of the way through killing all the guys the cops show up yeah and you have to to get out at the beginning of that floor when you're still fighting mobsters you there's three guys right away that you could kill after you come through the first door but then you have to walk down this really long hallway and the again there's guys to your right that are on the other side of this wall in this room so to target in at least the psd ps4 version you have to literally hold this l2 button so that you can move your how much you can see further down the hallway and then hit R2 to target. But however, this guy has a gun and it's an open hallway. So it, like, like I was saying before, immediately the computer and the AI, as soon as it sees you in any way, shape or form kills you. It has um, it, like, it has redonkulous accuracy. I've th- done things where they fired at me and I can literally see myself dead behind a corner of a wall because I've made it past the wall, but it still somehow considers me dead. You don't have enough time to to run up and kill the guy with a melee weapon, and I don't want to use a gun because guns alert, you know, with the with the sound alert and other enemies. So you have to use a throwing weapon. But in Avita, I can see Can't what we're saying is that I can see him, but he's far away. So it'd be easier if I could just tap him to target him. Mm-hmm. But with the um, PS3, PS4 version, you have oh, you to target use the, the closer enemies, which aren't yeah, the ones you want to so, kill. Got it. But what you can do is you can hit hold L2 and the cursor, whatever person you're on hit r2 and that will target that guy so i can target him but i have to kind of just throw it in the direction of the guy hope it the cursor is in the general area of the guy so that it targets him so that my throwing knife when i hit the l the l1 that's how i played on the vita um, even though i could have done the targeting thing but the targeting works i mean it seems like it would work easier in the vita probably why i didn't finish with the tap thing because it's a longer like the guy is further away so i definitely used it more for setting up my line lines as i would run page exactly i would use like the one or at most two really long shots that i was going to make before i started rampaging into a room and set it up that way another piece is that as long as you didn't hit the right stick you would still be pointing in the same way that you had targeted that's that way yes and so if there were like three guys all standing together way far across the room you could aim at one of them and as long as you didn't touch the right stick you'd be pointing in their general yes, direction. Yes, that's the best thing about the target is if you can target somebody you your guy will continuously face towards that target so if you're trying to go and kill things in that general area that makes it so much easier which is why the target works if you can do it but it's at least on the PS3 PS4 version it's tough to get that real easily without trying to I think we can safely conclude that the targeting is pretty fickle. Yeah, regardless it, of what platform you're on, I would almost say it works well. Though, like I picked it up on both the Vita and the PS4, and well, it's cross I was five between PS3, PS4, Vita. Oh, sorry, is it? Yes, well, I know because I I I bought it, and it's both games are cross by on okay, all three. Sure, games. I was hesitant to go to 
play it on my big screen, even though I typically like... If there's not a reason why I need to play it on my Vita, I like playing it on the big screen. But for this game, because I couldn't just reach out and target the people that I was thinking of, I was really hesitant to play it in that format. Sure. So I think another interesting part of the controls is that... So you have that your your attack button um on the PSD PS4 it was R1 I I don't know if it was the same thing for you guys um it's just R but it was yeah. the R yeah okay. the interesting thing is especially with melee you know you'd have weapons and it, you would just like if you had a pipe it would just swing and if you had a knife you would just you know it would just slash with a knife there would be points which drove me nuts where I would come up to a guy so say it was it was again Nate and I would come up to you and if I wasn't really, if, if I wasn't either correctly had my crosshair aimed at you or targeted you, I could basically swipe and almost run through you and not kill you. Yeah, the, the, Which the actual day death point would be nuts. on the other uh, side of the character. I had, I had times where I would open, like guys would be coming by a door. You know, you just run through the door and that's how it considers opening the door. And a lot of times if you open the door and the guys by, it'll knock them down. I had times where I'd open a door and be run, and be slashing as I was coming through and just go right through the guy. And I'd be like, what the hell? Like, because I wasn't technically targeted at the guy, so it didn't... I'm like, oh, that just drove me nuts with the controls. I had those problems sometimes, but it was just like, press X to restart, and it was like, boom, do it yeah, over. Yeah, I agree, but th there's times where, like, I either had, like, a huge combo streak going, or, like, I was near the end of the, of the you know, of the floor, and it was, like, the last guy, and then, you know, I ran through him, and, and then he killed me, and it's like, start over again. It's just like, ugh. I don't know how much you want to go into the differences between one and two, but I felt like this is one of the things that really got polished up in the second one. In the second one, if you just swung in the general direction you of a bad guy... It. Oh, really? I, I didn't think that at all. Particularly with the longer weapons, you know, the baseball bat, the katana, those kinds of things. If you just swung in the general direction of bad guys, they would die. Oh, really? I, felt, I, I didn't think I felt that it was Halloween 2 at all. I didn't th think they changed that at all. To it felt far more forgiving to me hmm. for that particular case. That's interesting. The other big difference between the two games that I felt like was the ranged weapons of the bad guys. In the first game, like you were describing earlier, where if they saw you from any range possible in the game... It was like a one-shot kill, regardless of whether oh, yeah. they the had a pistol, one you a shotgun, um, a sniper rifle, or whatever. The second one, the chances that they missed, or you had at least a little bit of time to yes. try and jump out of the room. Was and also, you could get, like, it, no matter what, most most guns, like, unless it was like a really, like a shotgun or something, like a, just a hand pistol, um, you actually could take, like, one bullet and then, die, you know before yeah. dying whereas in the first one it was just instant like but that's actually masks yes thank you yep thank you for there was one mask that let um, you take one bullet i was curious about that but i couldn't step away from yes, the tiger and there's another mask that takes you let you take two bullets Whoa. oh so um in the first one easy boat we'll get to the second one too which had masks but it, it wasn't as uh you, you, central themed the first it one was like the order right where you got like assigned a mask per level wasn't it? No, there was ones you could pick mm. masks, but it, it depended on what like, the second one was like, okay, there was a certain group of guys that used masks, and there were certain ones that, like, certain characters that used, like, different styles, so it wasn't always For a example, mask. can I give a quick example? There's one guy who's all, if you think Full Metal Jacket, that kind of military, mm -hmm. and so the things that he could choose are 
dog tags or sunglasses or those right, kinds of like things. He was like accessorizing. Right. Accessorizing in Perkin. that super specific military way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like the, the, there was like the, the guy in Hawaii, the, um, the soldier, and you could pick weapons, and that was only, your only long range weapon. You couldn't change weapons. Um, the gangster had like a baseball bat or iron knuckles or yes. those kinds of things. Okay. Um, but in the first one, very prevalent was masks. Garbage can. And I also kind of wanted to get back to this when we were talking about violence and you guys were, you know, bringing up the fact about like, oh, realizing what you've done or Jacket throws up after the first, uh, the, the intro, um, and realizing what he's done and then like how he kind of just grows into it. I think the masks serve two purposes. Two purposes. One, um, each mask gives you something. So there's the original mask, which is, they're nothing. all animals, which is a, the original one is a rooster called Richard, and that does nothing. But every other mask gives you something. There's an owl that allows you to see the special tiles that spell out the, the message I was talking about earlier. There's a frog that allows you a, a longer combo window. Like, sorry, Nate said, there's a mask that gives you, you can survive a bullet. There's another one you can survive two bullets. There's another one you can walk fast and walk. There's a second one you can walk super fast. There's one where you start with a, a, a silenced Uzi. There's one where you start with a drill. It was the, There's one where you... In terms of melee weapons, fist, I never picked the drill. Can, what was that like? Normally, if you punch a guy with a, a bare fist, you just knock him down. But there's a mask where if you're the tiger, Tony, you instantly kill them. I played every level with the, that guy. The drill, if you kill an enemy while they're down, you get this super bonus. It, it actually got nerfed. It, it, I was reading that it used to be like... 60,000, but then they nerfed it down to like 10,000. So it was like a lot. Now it's a lot like not that great of a bonus, but it used to be a huge bonus for it. Yeah. Interesting. Um, but the other thing with, with masks, not only do you get like, and you pick a mask every chapter. So every, when you start, you pick what whatever mask you want to use to that whole level. Is that I, I think it also, you know, in the game, it's supposed to be like, okay, he's wearing a mask so that he can't be seen while he's doing this stuff. But I think it also kind of puts another layer of like, well, I'm not really doing this. It's this masked person. So right. it's not really me. It's another layer of abstraction yes. on the violence. And that's kind Absolutely. of interesting to me too. Like it kind of puts this like. It makes oh, you a little bit less responsible. Thing. Yes. Well, at least in your warped thinking of it. Like, exactly. Oh, you know, it's this crazy. I think it's a metaphor for guy. the state of mind wow. you're in as the main character. And there's also parts, uh, we were talking about it um, earlier too, where you talk to other guys that are in these masks too and they and they tell you different things like oh you know i know about you don't you know about what you've done and you know it's important for you to consider how you got here yeah exactly and they're all the different masks and it's all this kind of i don't think it was until the second game where you actually see characters putting on masks and their tone changes yeah changes before and after they're putting on the masks wow that kind of yeah that's cool yeah that's what i mean so it's it's kind of this interesting thing that like oh it's the mask is a separate what did you think about those three masked men who are kind of interrogating you whatever happens with them at the end of the game like there's no payoff with them is there they don't they're never really explained as to who they are is it a metaphor for different parts of your consciousness like what actually it's don juan rasmus the owl and i forget the first guy's name I think you're right. It's metaphors for different parts of your consciousness. I definitely. I believe that too. I think you have but, like disassociative personality disorder at this point. You're just all these fractured <sighs> fragments of a person. I don't understand. I don't either, but I really want to know more. They portray different emotions. So yeah, I guess it's kind of his consciousness. Like the, the rooster's kind of all knowing. Yeah. Uh, the horse is kind of the overly kind 
mask and kind of forgiving and forgiving yeah. and the the owl guy is very lost in denial of what's going on right kind of like his emotional states yeah it's normal like state of mind is, and I richard's kind cool. of like the rooster's kind of like the most close to normal he's the most balanced of them perhaps yeah what what happens in the I second game are there masked figures like that or is it just totally different narratively basically richard is like kind of the only one and he kind of just appears randomly to each of the different characters in the game at some points and he kind of just says like so he's like like a collective conscience in the second one so he's way. appearing to multiple people yeah he's just kind of there to like explain like oh you know what's going on and don't you realize what's yeah it's kind of just like to a, get her wisdom i'm having a hard time putting my finger on it where i liked the idea in the line that they were messing around with what the main character was thinking. So in this context, it's more of like using Adams and Lugo as proxies for Walker, what Walker was doing. Sure. It kind of made more sense than these masks, which just seemed it was more completely incongruous. Those, the, the chapters with those other masks talking to you didn't feel like they fit the story at all. It was kind of interesting, but it I didn't feel like that paid itself forward. I didn't feel fulfilled by what those sections of story were trying to do. There was definitely no payoff. Well, that's what I was saying at the beginning. Like, the story doesn't necessarily... You don't need to follow every little detail of the story to really get the game, you know? Sure. If you understand and you read, you're like, oh, okay, that's kind of what's going on, and you can make more sense of it, but it's not It's not like, oh, well, now the game works on this level where it didn't work before because I understand the story or I understand what they were going for here. I kind of wonder if there is some deeper level that n they weren't able to get across yeah. to us that would make everything to come together. Yeah, that's, that's a good question. Thing. I, would, I wouldn't be surprised. Can we talk about the unreliable narrator since we were talking about it? Yeah, yes, absolutely. Let's talk right, about well. game development or storytelling theory. I like the unreliable narrator as a trope, I guess. Me too. I don't know. There's so clearly something game, more going on. Is there? So particularly between, uh, I wish I could tell you the exact chapter numbers, but it's the chapter where Jacket fights the biker. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. And the end of the ja Jackets um, game, that first ending of the game. From what I understand, my understanding comes a lot from reading those wikis because personally, I wasn't smart enough to get what I think they were trying to get across in this game. Right. So a lot of my c understanding comes from reading those wikis after the fact. But from what I understand, those events never happened. Those events are what Jacket was experiencing in a coma after the biker knocked him out. That we are experiencing and playing those as if they were reality is the unreliable narrator. Is him deceptive. narrating the game, showing us what he thinks is happening, us us playing them as if they are reality, but in it mm -hmm. in it actuality they are his dreams and it's not until we go back and we replay that scene as the biker totally demolish jacket because he is so overmatched in that scene that we see how things actually played out and we see 
the way that or you think that even his defeating the biker is part of the illusion oh yeah definitely and i felt that as part of the oh that makes sense yeah yeah and you see that as as the way that mission as the way you experience that mission played because it is so hard for jacket to defeat the biker right and then again and again and it makes complete sense when you play it from the biker's perspective and from the bike immediately exactly that's why he's in the coma exactly because he was just immediately cut down exactly and so you replay though because actually according to hotline miami 2 jacket's ending is actually the canonical ending so the biker's part is actually the non-canonical part. Well, maybe... Well, that sets the entirety of Hotline Miami 2 into question, then. Uh, okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> so We could talk about Hotline Miami 2's story here in just a second, because I wasn't able to even to follow that one in the slightest. I'm trying to read about the coma. I mean, I... It couldn't happen. The Jacket can't kill the biker, and the biker can't kill the kill Jacket. So one of those two didn't happen and for me it was pretty clear through playing the game that the biker's outcome is the one that made sense but it's not because it's not <laughs> according to hotline miami 2 which may have been just entirely a crazy trip the whole end of hotline miami 1 doesn't make sense if that's not the case anyway i like this idea that you can play these games and even toward the end of Hot Miami 2, where you play this guy who's on a complete trip, and you realize that the thing that you're playing is his experience, not necessarily the things that are happening in the world. I love that. I think it's really interesting. Um, I did a, a little bit of research for this podcast, and we're looking into other examples of unreliable narrators. Sure, which There are a with? couple of big examples. Besides but there's Cops. I was looking in literary references mm-hmm. in books. Spec Ops is a great one because we just played sure. from a video game because we just played that. There are a bunch of examples. I wasn't really tied to a bunch of the other examples because they are for older literary works. But there is one in particular that I think is an amazing piece of artwork. Recent. Think late nineties. I wonder if you can figure out the unreliable narrator that I'm thinking of. Nate. Nope. Give me a hint. This the unreliable narrator surfaces due to insom- anamorphs insomnia. Fight Club. Fight Club is the one. Nice. I am Jack's raging libido. Exactly. I love that, that one. That is a brilliant. In particular. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. <laughs> because you go through the book or oh, movie and you have to so like, good it is not until the very end that you're like holy shit okay for fuck's sake spoiler alert i'll go back into this we're just one. gonna do a giant beep it, it's not until the end of the movie that you realize that, that something is going on with the narrator absolutely and even though you should totally know from the beginning yeah because you can there. tell that he is going crazy and sleep deprived and you're still you emotionally trust the fucked movie. up yeah you should know it from the beginning there's but a movie still i love at the end oh, yeah i, I mean there's it. a lot of parts that can definitely tell you how you're a lot of the the friend you know the guy who's the um the guy who's in the convenience store the movie store the bar yeah, what's the deal it's with always that? the same you know he always has the same look he turns out he's just because you're going through this trip of killing these people and you're becoming more and more dis- disillusioned that you start to see disassociated with reality yeah sure you start to see the same guy 
and he keeps just telling oh, me things like, "Oh, well." You don't think he's the same guy? You're just seeing the same guy. Yeah, well, I mean, it's, There's a- it is the same guy, but it's it's your friend, and he's also the guy who ends up being, you know, who ends up killing your girlfriend, and then you go over, and then he, sh- well, it looks like you think he shoots you, but really you shoot yourself because of what happened. So, there's this great explanation in, and I read this before Hollywood Miami Two was a thing, before. The jacket biker interaction, that guy is in all of the cutscenes and is like giving you things and helping you out yeah. really oh, smiley. Yeah. Yep. And then as soon as that interaction happens, he's like dead behind the counter and there's somebody else trying to like not show you that his body is laying there and he's yep. dead all he's over dead, the place. Because yeah. mm-hmm. um, that's when you start to, to snap more back into reality. What about the see- scenes with static? Where it like glitches out between one perspective and another. Those are the kinds of things that are, where you see his body and then there's static and it's, the body's gone. Yeah, it's like the perspective of, of what's yep. real versus what he's seeing. Yeah, and like the and, the guy who's there, who's you know, like at the bar, he's like, "What are you looking at? What are you doing here?" But then like you see the body behind him, and he's like trying. To- From my understanding, my perspective, all of that shit is dreams inside his head while he's yeah. in the coma, anyway. So in both sides of the. Yes. No, that's after well, coma. So that's after you start to you wake up and you're actually back, sort of snapped back to reality. I feel we should talk about Hotline Miami 2, Wrong Number, which just recently came out about a month ago. So this game basically picks up because the game takes place before Hotline Miami, but also after Hotline Miami. Whereas the first game, you're basically jacket for most of the game, and then you also have a very small part at the end where you're the the biker motorcyclist guy. Hollow Miami 2, you're you play various different people. So there's a you start out where you are this actor guy, and they're filming this movie that is supposed to be inspired by actually jackets killings so you're that guy and you uh there's scenes where you actually you know you go through and you do a bunch of the killings and then there's also things where like i think you're the director or or maybe it's still the actor and um they bring you in because things happened and then you end up killing all the cops so that's one part then there's also a, a going on at the same time is there's a group of of guys called the fans and they are fans of jacket you know what he's doing so they they consider themselves vigilantes and they go after and kill all these russian mobsters after they've done killing all the russian mobsters they just decide to start killing other people like there's like these like drug guys like weed that they have like weed and they try to kill them and that's kind of interesting because there's about like uh six of those guys and you know you can play you get to play each of those characters and there are actually two females in the group so that's the first time you actually get to play a female going through this there's also a writer evan who actually is writing a book about the first game about jacket there is a character who is who actually is he tells you about the events of what actually happened and he was one of the friends then there's a flashback which is the previous where i was talking about events that happened before the game there's flashbacks to hawaii and you're a um, you're the friend who is the guy who ends up being the guy you see in in the first game in all the convenience stores and all uh, the stuff, and he, it's his experiences in the U.S. special op, and he kills all like the Russians there. There's also a detective who's trying to solve the case of the you know of the the vigilantes and all the stuff, and you play him. There's yeah, there's a various bunch of characters, but all themes on killing Russians. Russians, but also then there's uh, some of them are just. 
It's not just only Russians. Sometimes you're killing. They just kill everybody. Yeah, you're basically killing. Okay. Everybody. You also play. There are a couple of scenes where you play gang members. Oh yes, yeah. I forgot about the son. So there's a guy called the son, which is the uh, leader of the Russian. There's you, well, you play two things. You play one of the guys is just like this kind of goonish guy who's like a um, muscle guy in the Russian mob, and he's trying. And to it's get, the last day before he retires. Yes, yeah, he's trying to retire and get out, and then he ends up getting killed. And then there's also you play the son. I'm gonna retire tomorrow. Who, is the head of the Russian mob, and <laughs> he's the son of the end uh, of the end of guy God. in the first game that you kill in chapter fifteen. He's the guy that that you, you see the father. He's the guy that basically is like sucking on his like lip and the teeth. And then there's the son, who's basically his son, and you play him. And then at the end, he basically kills all his enemies, which are like, I think the Colombians. But he goes insane because he's popping pills okay so in a broad sense you play as all these different characters and all sorts of plots that are killing russians mostly but other people yeah sometimes you can and it's kind of all sometimes there's a tangential relation to the mate to jacket in the first game but not even always mostly so that's the basic plot overview some like the fans are just like copycats of him yeah and you're in two periods of time yeah in hawaii where you're the friend who is there a clear narrative point of the the backwards in time like prequel to hotline miami or not really if there is i have no clue what it is okay i mean it's just it's just a show kind of events like further events it's just it sounds like more stages for yeah, staging a so massacre like, like the hawaii stuff is is just showing you the friend and what his story was right and it was just special ops uh, killing and then at the end the guy one of the guys who's trying to get out who tells this his story to uh, the writer is in hawaii and he's each of the characters always ends up seeing richard the rooster and he tells them various things like oh you think you can get out or you think you know what you're doing but this is you know like He's like the Zen master. Yeah, that, that's like them always going insane. And at the end, he sees him and he's like, you know what's going to happen next. And then he's like, oh, I know. It. And then like his TV comes on and it's like, oh, the American president and the Russian president were killed in a uh, in the White House today. And now Russia considers this an act of war. And then all these nukes fire. And that's kind of how the game ends with basically all these nukes going off. You know, you're thinking, I guess the world is end. That does sound like unreliable narrator. Yeah, it's much more so in, in the second one. There's, you're playing a bunch of different characters so there's a lot of bits and pieces of stories going on so based on the way you guys described this i'm guessing your reception to the second game was nowhere near as positive as the first how much of that has to do with the soundtrack will go a lot of it has to do with the soundtrack for me bam also i didn't feel like there was a cohesive o- overarching anything that brought this i felt okay about feeling horrible about the first game because there was something that was happening Right. And in the second game, I still felt shitty about all the things that I was doing, but it didn't ever feel like it was coming together toward anything. Did I hear that there was a rape scene in this game? It, it's kind it's of. In the beginning, the, in the, the prologue, you're, you're, do, you're the actor and you're performing this movie. So it's like mm-hmm. a fake, like it's supposed to be like you're performing it's just... the events. It, it's a movie based off of, of, his, of Jacket's. Stop right, so on. it's something. So it's like, oh, you go, you go through and you kill all these people, and then you start to rape this woman. But then it's like, oh, cut, and that's the scene. And I didn't do it and missed the trophy because of it. By the way, there's a trophy for raping, for following the director's directions. There should be yes. a trophy for not doing it. Um, well, you can turn it off. There, there's a, there's an option right at the beginning of the game. It says, do you you know this game right. contains sexual violence? Do you want to skip that scene? 
Right. Um, you can skip it, and I think you can still do the director's stuff and get the trophy. I don't think you have. I don't think you have to do that part. That's it's only a two-second okay. thing. You don't really see much. You just see him like getting on top of the girl, and like his pants are pulled down, so you see a little, I guess, like pixelated butt. Do you think that one of the critiques I heard of this is that sure it's violent and gross, but does it? From what I've heard, it doesn't serve any narrative benefit. It's like just there for sh- shock value. Basically, that's but I guess my that's the whole game. With the like. whole second game, actually, see, my, I see. My thing with the second game is that I think the first game was so it was such a runaway hit where people weren't expecting because it, it's a very indie game created by a small group of guys. It wasn't highly publicized when it came out, and it was just all of a sudden like this. Wow! Oh my God! This is you got to play this game. It's it's crazy. You know the the how fast things go, how you kill guys, the music, all this stuff. People were so like blown away expectation wise that when the second game came out people were expecting this huge leap forward yeah and do you think think they were planning on making the second game before the first one exploded i don't know that's an interesting question i don't know if they were they would if they had it in the plan i I think the second game kind of was a re I would say probably if I had a guess it was a reaction just because of the yeah. guess of the first one. The second game feels like Super Mario Brothers 2 in Japan where it is a bunch of extra levels tacked on to the first game and they're like what plot mm, we'll try. Plot wasn't really a big deal but they were they the difficulty took over from where the first game ended. That's interesting. So that's one thing that I don't know if you come that. straight from the first game the difficulty of this game seems to be no problem, but from a lot of the reviews and things that we've been hearing online, everybody says, oh my god, this game is so hard, yeah. and I think that a lot of that is because they put down Hotline Miami 1 2013, so two years ago. Yeah. Like, the reason I thought the, the second game gets critiqued the way it does is, again, so that they don't push it forward. It, it seems like it's a very, it's, it's a very sidestep instead of a leap forward. I don't think the game itself was is all that bad. I think it's a good game. I think the music is fine. I think the controls are the same. But I think it's just everything is just more of the same as the first. And I think people were really expecting like, oh my god, this is, look what they did in the first game. They're going to go I don't, uh, I'm going to disagree with that. Way higher than that in the second game. Because I don't it sounds like, like it nothing. didn't follow up the first game. It's just an extension of the first game. It sounds like it fragmented. I don't feel like this game deserved a two. What? Oh, the sequel? He's saying I don't think they should. They, it this shouldn't be, be called Hotline, Hotline Miami. Miami Two. This is like Hotline Miami: The Other Stories or Hotline, Hotline Miami. Miami colon, yes, wrong which number. is exactly what I'm saying. Yes, that's interesting. Okay. That's exactly what I'm saying. They don't. It's. It, there's nothing in this game that is. Oh well, you know, usually a sequel, you, you think, okay, they added something or they make it. They make it some reason that like something. They it's fundamentally improve, different. They, yeah, they improve again. They push it forward. They improve, but they didn't. Or they take it, the story in a new place. Same, they, thing is the first game it's just different stories sure which is what my point and, and that's where i think people were overly critical of it is that it's a good game the things are fine it's just the people were, i think were expecting way more from what the, they saw from the first one they were expecting like oh well they did this in the first game so they're going to take it to a higher level in this game and you'll have all these other things where there really isn't much difference in in the gameplay or anything like the only things i really noticed difference is that you can have two guns like you can have two submachine guns in the second game there's not actually else that's different how similar was the visual style oh, it's it also thing. a 16-bit yeah same top same. down oh yeah same cut scenes any different no 
I think the interesting aesthetic that they brought to this game, every five levels or so is kind of grouped together as part of being one VHS tape. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and when you actually pause the game, you see scan lines come up. Yeah. And so your options are, like, play, eject, and something like Rewind, that. Rewind. Rewind. Yeah. Well, Which, it, it, it drives that's me cool. nuts because it's like, you see oh. things like that and you're like, um, yeah, it's like... <laughs> what do these menus actually mean? Yeah, no, and I like, you're like that. That's cool. Oh, that's the restart one because it's rewind i like it <laughs> but it's it's not that, that great in the first it's not that great when you're like oh I, you know i just want to you know i accidentally hit this one and you restarted a mission you really didn't mean to restart <laughs> i don't feel all that much sympathy because i played the first one on my vita slim which i haven't played all that much on and uh, i got of course the vita slim i imported from japan because i wanted the cool neon yellow one my circle and my x button are switched so a lot of the times I'd pull up the menu and accidentally flick the thumbstick and then I'd press circle to get out of the menu and on at least three occasions I'd quit to the menu and lose all my progress through that level oh, because I pressed circle. <laughs> Whoops. In the second one there's there's um there's a mission with the detector where it gets pretty difficult because there's actually five in the, in the first game I think there's maybe one that has three or four different areas but in the, in this one there's one that the detective has this five and it just it almost seems like it keeps going when you get to the fifth one i had actually had a, a, a bug in it where i got the, i think i was on the fourth area i would die but it wouldn't give me the press x to restart and i had to restart the whole mission i'm like oh i have to do all this over again and it was just super long and i, I had one similar thing where i defeated everybody on the floor that and couldn't find anybody i walked the entire floor hoping that somebody would just shoot me out of nowhere i walked the entire floor and nothing and had to kill myself and reset seems like there's little bugs like that yeah i mean there's not much to talk about in Hollow i mean it, again it just seems like the gameplay the controls the music's very much could have been just the first game there was one interesting episode where you fight through something like four floors and then you get up to the fourth floor and the first time you die on the floor the story oh, ends and you're like yeah. what the hell yes and then what happens is you wake up afterwards and one of the guys who quote unquote killed you up on the fifth floor of this story of this building that you had gone through he's like and do you have anything anything to say and he's, you're like no i'm not going to tell you anything he's like i didn't think so and then it shoots you and that character's dead. yeah those characters die i mean I, I didn't go through a lot of it but they're like like the fans um, oh, that they was get a great caught, part. And they get caught by like the police, and the detective comes in, and he's like, "I'll take care of this." So he goes and talks to them by themselves, and, and like most of them, a couple of them are already dead because they got shot by the police in the ensuing firefight. And, and the, one of the guys that's still alive is like, "Oh, listen, man, like just arrest me, take me to jail. I'm done with this. I'm sick of fight this fighting. I'm sick of all this killing." And he's like, "I bet you are," or something like that. And he just fires, and, like the detective guy just kills him on the on the roof in that building when there are yeah so like a lot of these characters die as you go like again because you just you're just jumping from characters to characters so there's not really the the kind of cohesive story that there is in the first one where you're kind of just two characters Um, and mostly you're just the one character yeah and then you have a couple of the and you don't switch off it's just one. yeah this one like you're you're constantly changing between characters in terms of the sections of the game and again certain characters die certain characters what did the second game do well that the first one didn't no that's the thing in my point there's nothing it did well at the first one because again it, it, it was just really they took the first game brutal 
they did it, but they just made a new story, you know, Hotline Miami-esque story to it. There was nothing that I was like, oh, wow, this sucked in the first game, and they really fixed sure. it, or they, or they really went high in the second game. <sighs> Jesus. Okay, so is there anything else, Will, you want to add about uh, HOM 2? Tiny thing, sound design thing, um, both games did this. I really like when, and I think there's only one or two times where this one, maybe two times at the most, where it happens in the first game, but there are a couple of times where it happens in the second game, but where there are giant explosions. In the first game, it's where you oh, yeah, yeah. shoot the shotgun against the room that's wired up for the explosion. Yep. And the whole room, or the whole screen Everything just flashes out. white, and you hear that, um, it's like tanning, yeah, tannings, yeah. whatever the word is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's like, Wah. Like the high-pitched buzzing. Yeah, uh, I really like how both of the tinnitus? games do that. Tinnitus, yeah. yeah. We mentioned how difficult these games are, and that you die so easily. Yeah, it's great. Like it's just, you know, whether uh, but they're not really that hard, as long as you don't mind repetition. But that can get frustrating. I could see that it gets frustrating to like. You, you I just, love it. You you can play like, and so especially in Hotline Miami Two, there's some boards. Like I said, that especially the one with the um the detective, especially like you can die. 50, 100 times before you finally beat the... You know, it's just so many death, 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 death. This game is hard because you have to be perfect. Any misstep at all means the end of your run. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, it's, it's a weird notion because you look at it from most games' perspective and it's like, okay, there's guys there. I want to be extra careful and slow and, and methodical and like figure out where they're going and, and pick them off. And this game... It, one of the things I, I learned is that Stealth you're better is not the option. No, you're better off going in like a like a banshee and just get good at the controls and dart out, in there. Yeah, yeah and you gotta figure out just the, the, the path to take and then just kill guy and But it's almost like and go and, and like if I kill Nate, don't kill Nate and then try to um wait to kill Will. Like kill Nate and immediately go and kill Will. Even if he's spaces right. apart because if I wait that two seconds to, to try to hide, Will's already seen me and he's you know killed what I me. Wanted in this but if game? I kill Nate and then I go and the, kill Will, I can get him. The Far Cry like knife get... takedown thing. Oh yeah, that yeah, yeah like I I, like I kill Brian and I immediately throw like, throw a knife at Will. That'd be crazy. Yeah, that, well, the, actually, the biker has that. You can do that with his weapons. You can use a regular knife, but you can also throw. So that's oh. kind of cool. Um, yeah. Why was this game banned in Australia? It was for the, the drug scene. No, it was for that. Oh, I thought Australia's all about drugs. No, because the no. first game was actually allowed. They just hate video games. It was actually due to that, that scene, which pissed off the developers because, one, there is an option that it tells you at the beginning, and you can choose to either that in or not have it in, um, and that's the only scene of... Do you think it was just an excuse for them to ban the game, yes. given that they don't like violence Yeah, anymore? Australia is very... I, I'm um, still... Australia's more drugs than violence. But it was, but it was due to that. That was specifically. I mean, they. Out. I mean, they called out the other things too. The but, whole game is. But like the but the first game had all that stuff trip. too. That's an interesting thing and to me is what what you what what's acceptable to allow. It's all about who's in like making the final decision at any given time. I figure. Uh, I think you guys wanted to talk about uh, the violence in this game versus and and versus maybe a comparative to Spec Ops the line. There was one point I wanted to bring up, and this was particularly to Nate specifically. At the end of our Spec Ops podcast, 
we were talking about what would have made that game better. And I said, if if they had the money to make the combat better, that game would have been better. And Nate, without trying to put too I? much, too many words in your mouth, what you told me at the time was, if the combat were any better, it would not feel bad killing people. Yes. This is the game specifically. The game sort of disproves that, doesn't it? I, I think so. What <laughs> because do you, how it, do you it feel? Feels... Do you still feel that way after having played this game? I feel that way about Spec Ops. Because Hotline Miami takes time in other ways to review what you've done, like we talked about earlier. Spec Ops doesn't really have that same thing. You don't really walk by gruesome, mutilated corpses. There are textures all over the floor. You're walking through... After the phosphorus, you phosphorus, phosphorus, bombs. phosphorus scene is the exception, of course. You see all those, but divine. I mean, it's not really. You don't like retract through a bunch of levels, do you? Like, I don't remember that being a big part of Spec Ops. Or you see scenes of like civilians dead, and you see when you see the and you see like you see the you hangings. Know, guys hanging. Yeah, I don't know. It just to me, it's not the same level of like this game's a little more visceral. Other 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 than the white phosphorus scene, of course. Either way, I think we can safely say that that theory's been definitely taken down from, yeah. you know, I think there's exceptions. Yeah, I mean, I think obviously. that kind of also goes into another topic we have here, which we wanted to get to, which is violence used for narrative. So, yeah, I, mean, I, I mean, think I covered that earlier. Like, the violence here is part of the atmosphere of everything yeah. just being kind of crazy. The violence is a big part of the story, and I don't know if the story... Okay, yes, the story is heavily influenced on, you know, drugs and the late 80s and the mob and all this so i mean you would think okay yes it would go hand in hand with violence but i mean i also mean just that like i don't think if it was this crazy violent that you would really get the feel of what they were trying to go for with the game if it wasn't this violent you don't think they yeah really get like the, i mean yeah. i think that's the whole point is that in hotline is that you're i agree doing with you. all this stuff and it's so out there. It's like Griselda Blanco. Like shit. you're not just killing one per. You're not just assassinating one person. You're not just going in and saying like, "Oh, I got to take out this guy," and then you're going, you're getting out of it. You're killing everybody on the floor. Well, the interesting and you're thing about this, them in in gruesome ways. Like there's times where you can use weapons. Like in the in Hotline Miami, the first one, you can grab a, a boiling pot of water and you can pour. You can execute a guy by pouring the bo the boiling water on them, and like they're, you see like their face turns bright red because they've been burned and you know like well, the interesting thing about this is there's no context for the enemies you killed sure you if you look into it deep enough you'll find out that they're russians but that's not really contextually presented in the same way that in spec ops you understand that the people you're killing are americans yeah and they've already been demonized as an enemy force in this game it's much more like they're not really any context clues about that other than once you're told that they're russians yeah i mean you know they're, they're russian mobsters but you're still killing them because you're told to do it, and if you don't obey it, that you, you're getting threatened. Bad things will happen to you. Right. Even though they're bad guys, you're not doing it like, oh, I'm doing a good thing. You're just doing it because you feel that, like, oh, I have to, otherwise things will happen to me. And Yeah. Ugly faces? What? Oh, my God. Sorry about that. Oh, they're all so interesting. What? Nobody's hot in this game. That I mean, I agree. Nobody's hot in this game, but... 
Nobody's even normal looking in this game. Yeah, everybody is. Again, that's the whole point. It's like this whole atmosphere is all yeah. surreal and Okay, a you bit both off just and... said that's the point. What what point are they trying the to get at? The point is that nothing well, in this world feels real. Yeah, and also... It's all It's weird. a whole drug... I Except mean, we were joking about this in the beginning, but it really is. It's a drug experience, and and everybody's you're in this seedy underworld of miami and and doing all these things like nobody's gonna be drug trip to me means fuzzy and fuzzy means less detailed and typically that means better looking no absolutely everybody looks like things look less symmetrical isn't that part of what lsd has been known to do Everybody in this game is like missing teeth and bleeding, droopy, yeah, well, again, and I, I think it's, you know, through the head. The seedy underworld of you know, like you know, these are not uh, upstanding citizens by any means. Well, this is a little beyond that, but my first impression was that the artist didn't know how to make good-looking people. That's good. No, could I don't very think that's well true. be that too, but yeah, I this don't know. This is beyond that. I mean, it almost seems like it was deliberately done this way, but it could be. It, it I love how be. their heads like rotate. I love how everything rotates slightly actually. Why do we think that is? Why do the levels rotate back and forth a little bit? Oh, because it's supposed to be that like that you're in this kind of haze. Haze. Yeah, whether you're it's your you're in the com- the the dream coma or you're drugged out or you're just, just kind of in the zone. Oh, you're just kind of, you know, like losing your mind a bit. So that's why it's kind of has sure. it, yeah. I think that's kind of you, like with the faces. You're not quite Yeah. seeing things as That's what are. I was thinking. Yeah. So, so you true. both think there is a narrative reason for everybody looking ugly? Yeah. Cuz nothing's right. I know what you mean. It, it that one just doesn't make sense to I, me. But I think that I, I would say of, what we're saying, more, I would agree with more so than what you're saying, which is just, oh, well, the developers couldn't draw, so they just... That, I mean, <laughs> the first three quarters of the first game, that was my impression. This guy couldn't make faces for the life of me, for for his, you know, to but save his life. Parts that I'm just and like, that, it's I so agree, it just keeps far. going and going and going, and I'm like, okay, he should have... He could draw rooster masks. He could have randomly come up a Cross a good face better than this, so yeah, there's got to be some intention of. For yeah, it. that's what I'm saying. I think, it but was I, I just, I just, I don't understand that intention at all. I felt like it fit with the narrative. Nothing is right in this world. It's all. I guess I could say that a hundred times. That's what's so but, cool about this game is it's all everything's. But off. wrong doesn't mean ugly. Yes, it absolutely does, and most of them are ugly and like they're not symmetrical. They're just off, or they're abused and broken. Uh, I think for our last topic, Nate, you want to give some brief thoughts about uh, the developer? De- you know, Devolver? You want to talk about them? Uh, I don't know about the developer. Devolver's the publisher. Yeah. Well, and I you. really like Devolver as a company, especially their official on-paper response to the customers in Australia asking how to get the game, and them just being like, oh, it sounds like you better pirate it. I think that's pretty fantastic. But Devolver's very much like a, like a YouTuber-friendly, like really progressive kind of publisher that's, what, two guys out of Connecticut, if I'm not mistaken? basically run the whole show and they're clearly just out to help developers get their projects out there like that's their main goal for me every time i see devolver show up it's been based around a game that is typically small typically indie but has awesome music associated with it (laughs) the um hotline miami were being the first ones that really came to mind and really hit me over the head with it but then loof trousers too the music in that one really was specific and hard and pounding and really interesting hmm. and uh, again every time i see devolver show up 
I feel like that's what I'm in to expect, what, what, what they're going to deliver for me. Interesting. I'm in. How about you, Brian? Have you... Yeah. I mean, I, I, I like what they do. I like... Can I find a quick list of stuff they've done? Yes, please. Bro Force, Serious Sam 3. Oh, they did the Talos Principle. That's what I'm really thinking of them. Oh, they did Hotful Boyfriend. That's amazing. Titan Souls. Motherfucker. Really want to play that? Ollie Ollie. Oh, Ollie Ollie was another one. Ollie Ollie's awesome. <laughs> the Expender Bros. Oh, my God. Hotful Boyfriend. I said the that. One, the one where you're, the boyfriend's a pigeon. The dating a pigeon. That's awesome. <laughs> did you see the Humble Bundle where if you paid enough, you could get the Hotful Boyfriend pillow? One side is uh, a pigeon, the other side's like the handsome dude. Uh, Go ahead, Nate. Game was all right. Seven out of ten. Will, how about you? <laughs> this game was pretty good. Eight out of ten. Nice. How about I, you, Brian? Hold on. Soundtrack. I do want to talk about it. Uh, the soundtrack was amazing. Uh, the unreliable narrator, I thought, was a really interesting thing they were doing. Ten in this out of game. ten as well. The combat yeah, felt really good, with the exception of the the Weird bullet null zone. Yeah. yeah. Got close. Which enough. never actually really occurred i mean it might have happened to me once or twice but i didn't glitch it like i've seen the videos and stuff walkthroughs do the the fact that the second game didn't know where the hell it was going the fact that i had to read a wiki to understand the story from the first game these Means are the things awesome oh, okay JK, lol these are the things that brought it down from a 10 to me sure uh for me i, I will Summarize each game separately. I think the first game was fantastic. It, it's yeah. It's a game that you you really see why indies are driving games on current current gaming generations, whether it's console, PC, whatever. These games are it's something that they can do that these big developers don't have time or, or don't have the Balls. maneuverability to do. Yeah. Just amazing, like you know, everybody who's listening to the podcast, you know, I assume has you know, since it's a spoiler podcast, has has played this already. But if you know people who haven't played this game, go out and recommend them, tell them to play this and get a Vita, you know, whatever, play it Vita, PC, PS3, play it at work. It's wonderful. The music, that the action, you know, there's little gripes, you know, the way you can you know, run through guys and not kill them. And like, you can circle around with this dog and then event, you know, and like not hit him. And then the dog eventually kills you. Like there's little things like that, but for the most part, it's just fun to do. And the second game, I would say if you like the first game and you just want to play it, I mean, it's not all that expensive. So if you just want more of it, play the second game, but you're not missing out on too much. If you, don't play it it's again it's more like almost hotline miami like will said it's not really hotline miami 2 more, it's more like 1.5 it's it's just like an extension of the first one in terms of like it's just more story more characters but there's no real like expanded gameplay or you, you, there's nothing that says like oh my god this is why it's a sequel this is why it's the next one it's just more of the same of the first one which isn't a bad thing but it's also not a reason to say Oh God! You have to play. You have to get the second. Um, Do you feel like the violence gets in your way of your ability to recommend this game to people? N- uh, me yeah. personally, no. Absolutely. I mean, w- I mean, would I sit there and 
say like, oh yeah, just let anybody play. You know, let your five-year-old kid play the game. No, I'd only I recommend mean, I would, this game to someone really but, interested in atmosphere. But if there's somebody who's able, like, if you're mature enough to understand that, look, this is a video game. You shouldn't go out and imitate this, you know, even though in the second game that's exactly what some of the characters you play do, or just imitating the first game. But as long as you understand and you can sanely detach from the actual game, then I don't think the violence is any problem. I don't know, man. This is a bit far for that argument. Yeah. And I think if there's it, it, there's a there's a place for this game and and place for the violence that kind of violence there's if there's people that can like again if people can if there are people and there's definitely people I think all I three of us in this room we can we can safely do that and I think that's a game should not exist just because some people can't like well, tell we can that do to that. Australia I, yeah which is what which is where I have the problem with Australia is that we could also make the argument that the violence is so far that it's almost cartoonish well that's the other thing is but it's surprisingly but some doesn't people, really yeah, feel that sometimes, way sometimes it, it does kind of like that like what you got no this game is right on the edge there for me under no circumstances would I say that it shouldn't be made or anything anything like that and I really liked and enjoyed playing it but my ability to recommend this to others even when you know yeah a year and a half ago when i was like nate this story is really cool you should read about it because i'm not sure you're gonna be able to handle playing this game yeah there's just something well it's not for everybody yeah. about and it does it it does drive Agreed. away some people who are not into that but i do think it has its place for people who you know are okay with that and or are you know or are looking for something where it has that kind of interesting take on violence. You know? Definitely. It's weird in that, in my mind, it's a game which is not self-marketable. Does that make sense to you? It does. Why don't you, uh, do you want to ex try to explain that a little more? Whereas a lot of other games, you get it and you play it and you're like, oh my god, this was an awesome experience, you should play this too. Right. For this game, I feel like I get it, I play it, oh, that's an awesome experience, I'm embarrassed about it, I'm never going to tell anybody that I played this thing. That's interesting. That's an interesting thing, because I, I, I think that's I feel that not way. necessarily true. I mean, Only I, I understand what you're violence. saying, but uh, to, and I would I would know what you mean to like to say to certain people, like, would I go to, like, say, my, uh, some relative of mine, like, and say, like, oh, you know, I played this game, and it's, you know, ultra-violent, and all this stuff. No. But I, I do think groups of friends, and, and I think that's where this game kind of exploded, especially the first one, is that the word of mouth, they're like, oh my god, you have to play this game, it's, it's crazy, you're, you're, you're dying, like, you can instantly die, like, and just keep dying over again, and, but you're also killing these people so quickly and in such crazy way that people are like, oh my god, I have to see, I have to see this to believe it and play it myself. Is that you know? really why it was recommended, or is it the story of I think both, yeah. But but the story goes hand in hand with the violence. I mean, you can look at my experience. Uh, it's not necessarily the same for everybody, of course. But I'm on a game podcast. We talk about games all the time. I loved this game, fell in love with this game two years ago, and didn't bring it up to talk about it or review it or anything. And it wasn't until you brought it up in the context of the second game that we even started thinking about it seriously, right? So what other gems know. are you hiding? But that's the thing. Like, I wonder, I wonder if you had, well, I think you had mentioned it w once, maybe it was during the game of the year discussion or something, but. Oh yeah. Good point. 
I, I, I'm interested because, yeah, exactly. Like, like Will, sorry, Nate was saying, like, I don't think if you had mentioned it before, it would have been like, oh, no, we can't play that because it's too, you know, like, I mean, some people might just be turned off about it, but I, I definitely think there's I certainly a see why you felt that way about things that I've said about violence. I didn't feel comfortable suggesting this to other people mm-hmm. because of it. I feel that way, especially with games marked past as being construed in the popular media as being so violent, you know? It's like there's that there's almost that shame there when a game is super violent. I feel really weird about it because I love playing games like this and I'll go and seek out stuff as long as it's not super weird. There's stuff like Postal, which was just too, too much. Oh, Oh, I like Postal a lot. It was funny. It was violent with a purpose. Okay. (laughs) Like satirical. (laughs) Like that was just making a mockery of the whole industry. It was kind of funny. So let me ask a, a good question here. I think the the reason to recommend this is if you like gameplay loops that are fast and focused on precision and perfection and have very minimal consequence to fail. You're. Is this a better recommendation on that account than Loof Trousers? I haven't played Loof Trousers. Oh, you're killing me. Yeah. <laughs> Bummer, I know. Sorry. That would have been a great... Similar Sorry. sort of rage game, though, isn't it? Mm, Sorry, not rage, no. but... But the cycle, you can restart it really quickly. Yeah, um, that would. But I, I know where Brian's going, and I want to hear this question. All yeah, right, I well, want I want Nate's opinion on it. Would this would this have worked better as a racing game? That's a. It was basically that. I just ran into the room and stabbed people, and then ran into another room and stabbed people, and then so it basically was a. This racing was game. already a racing game. Yeah, exactly. You could just been in a car and run over people instead of stabbed them or shot them. That happened to me a lot in that wore that van oh, burst yes, through the room oh my part. god that was so hard that was one of those levels where i accidentally quit it and it's a good thing i did because i knew that level was coming and i came back with a shotgun loaded with six rounds and that made it all well the, the first better. guy that comes out you can knock him down and take his shotgun you do I, realize that right i do know that but it was very difficult for me to do that reliably but there's a weapon and that then, they put right there that you can pick up if you don't have anything and yeah just, it wasn't a good one it was an uzi for me but it keeps changing so okay well i didn't want to restart five times until it became a shotgun again no, I'm saying it's you can annoying. just pick up like a pipe, knock him out, and grab his shotgun. Okay, yes, it. technically I could have done that. It wasn't working for me. But I will <laughs> tell you also that it checkpointed me right directly in the middle of the path of the van, which is hilarious. Because half the time I'd restart and be like, God, it's so annoying. Oh, fuck, I got run over. <laughs> God. You got run over? Yeah. This brings us to the end of another awesome episode of the Emotive Pixels podcast. If you want more from us, you can find us on iTunes and at our webpage, www.emotivepixelspodcast.com. You can also like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash emotivepixels, or follow us on Twitter at emotivepixels. And as always, keep keep on playing. playing!